Welcome to Original Mind Zen Sangha. Today's Dharma talk is given by Andre Taysan Hallow. Tonight's talk is going to be called The Good News and the Bad News. And uh, before we begin the talk, I'd like to say Ramadan Mubarak for all of our um, fellow brothers and sisters who, may, who are not here, who are um, practicing or the holy month in Islam. So uh, Zen takes the radical approach, which says you're completely perfect, just the way that you are. And Zen's not alone in saying this. Um, but it says it nonetheless. And that's extraordinarily good news because it's saying that nothing is wrong with you, no matter how bad you feel, when you wake up and your feet are still hurting from the day before and and you you slept the wrong way or emotionally you feel like you're climbing a mountain, no matter what, you are a-okay, perfectly fine. And I know we don't feel that way. Um, I could count on on one hand the amount of times that I feel immaculate, for lack of a better word, per week, right? Where you're like, wow, I really feel good. And then it diminishes, and then somebody cuts you off in traffic, and you're like, you mother! And it's all gone. On the other hand, uh, when you feel terrible, that seems to, like, eclipse everything else, and it just comes to the forefront of your experience. And um, maybe I'm more temperamental than others, but I just fall into a sulking gloom, Oh, why did I do this? Why did I not do that? As if that moment will never pass. And of course it does. In fact, you could fool yourself into being in a better mood. I I do this more often uh, than I'm probably aware of it. If you just smile, you'll you'll trick your your brain chemistry into your brain into releasing um, happy (laughs) happy feelings through through you know chemical process. I do that when I have a hard time sleeping if I'm lying in bed and I start to get frustrated or anxious, like, why can't I fall asleep? Oh, no, another, another half hour just went by. I'm eating away into my sleep time. Yeah, I just sit there and I'll smile. And I probably look ridiculous if anyone were to turn the light on me. But eventually it, it does. And you're like, oh, everything kind of melts away. No state is permanent because if it were, it wouldn't be a state. States by nature are, are passing. They're fleeting. And that's fantastic news. Because what it means is that when we get down to zero or our equilibrium, we're, we're free of all states. We just, all these states occur inside of our awareness. They come and they go. And our practice is simply to become aware of them and not try to hold on to them because holding on to them usually is like, is painful and it's like holding on to thorns. Uh, there's nothing wrong with thorns, but you can, if you pick them up ever so delicately and move them aside, they're fine. And the same thing with our experiences. So we try to reside inside of our natural base awareness. And then we're going to be distracted and whisked away through thoughts and fantasies. And we do our best through habit of our practice to come back to the present moment. I have a bit of a kungan for you. It's not really a kungan, but because it kind of just occurred to me. When we were doing our walking meditation, all right, that's an exercise in awareness and attentiveness. 
What was new? Rock. Huh? The Did, rock. Yeah, you saw it. I felt, felt it. it. Yes. I felt it. Yeah. I'm like no more trap door that creep. Yeah. Fantastic. Wonderful practice. Now that that so we say it's a kongan, but it's not. Well, but it is because our, our kongans are supposed to bring us back to our lives at this present moment. So many people, when I give them this meditation instruction, say, "I don't know if I did it correctly. I was I was paying attention to this bug, or yeah, that's it. It was there, and I noticed it not through my sight, the the carpet, but through through my the the feeling, the pad between the carpet and the floor. It's like, oh, I feel that." Something new here. And then I smelt it. But I don't think I would have smelt it had I not noticed it first through my, through my other senses. So Zen practice is about summoning all of our energy to being present at this moment. Fantastic. So that's extraordinarily good news. That's the gospel. You're perfect just the way that you are, even when you don't feel that way. Why? Because good states and bad states are, are, are always going to change. Now that brings us to the bad news. <laughs> and the bad news is the good news, which is you're perfect just the way that you are. And although that may seem like fantastic news, it can also be very disconcerting as well because what that means is that fundamentally we're not, nothing that we're ever going to do is going to satisfy us for long. That's the first noble truth in Buddhism. And that's why it's so profound, is that it's saying that human beings by nature are fickle. We want one thing, then we satisfy it, um, and then we're on to the next. Or maybe we don't satisfy it, but we just move on to the next thing anyway, which is what we do. That's the nature of being human. We just finished reading A Streetcar Named Desire in, in my English class, and I think Tennessee Williams hits the nail right on the head. He's perfect Buddhist insight where Blanche is talking, and she was talking about life and death. And she said, she was talking about all the people who have died in her life, and then she said, and what's the opposite of death? Desire. Brutal, lustful desire. In this case, it was sexual desire, but it doesn't have to be. And, and Buddhism sees that very well. I think that's the Buddha's insight, is that if we were to create opposites, just for the sake of conversation, the opposite of death is not life. But it's craving. It's craving that, that compels us to the next thing, always to the next thing, over and over. But there's nothing wrong with craving, anything, any more than there's something wrong with a thorn, provided you handle it gently. You could have a craving, you know, a, a, a yearning to help other people. That, that's a pretty healthy, could be a healthy yearning, provided you take care of yourself. So it's always about how do we deal with these things. But back to the bad news... Always back to the bad news. We like projects in our lives. I think it's part of being human. We're industri industrious species. We like to build things, be imagined, and be creative. Now, when we're told that we're not fundamentally, we're not going to get anything from our practice. And in fact, that when we seek things from our practice, we're kind of doing it wrong, if you can do it wrong at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking absolutely no position here whatsoever. Right? The only way you could really do it wrong is to try to get something out of it.
And instead, we should view our practice as just a walk around the block or a stroll throughout this beautiful building and becoming aware of what, whatever it is that we see. If that is the, uh, the be-all, end-all of our practice, fantastic. But I don't think that's what we want deep down inside. Deep down inside, I sometimes feel broken and I want, or incomplete, and I want something to complete me. And I think that my practice will do that. Rather, what my practice will do will turn my attention to that feeling of emptiness. Not Buddhist emptiness, but psychological, you know, the existential emptiness. And I'll look at it. And it's not going to get rid of it. But it's going to allow me to, to sit with it. Sit in that, that lonely spaciousness. The feeling of incomplete, in, in, incompleteness. She's not going to get rid of it, per se. But it'll actualize it because we'll be able to sit in the midst of that tempestuous storm of emotions. I think that's one of the most fright frightening things about practice is realizing is when we, when we recognize that, oh no, this is not going to fix me. This is not going to get rid of those feelings that I wanted to get rid of. It's just going to help me. I don't even want to say manage. Experience them more fully. And realize that they're not these all-powerful, absolute emotions. Which comes us back, brings us back to the good news. Why? Because everything is impermanent. So no state is going to last, including these feelings of desolation, despair, and so forth. They're, they're going to pass. That's the nature of reality. We're, we're, in a, we're like, a, we're like in an emotional amusement park. And you're walking through, and there's the the guy selling the balloons, and woohoo, I feel good. And then we smell something and it distracts us. Oh, let's go get some um, curly fries. And then, oh man, I stepped in gum. And up and down we go. Happy, then sad. And that's just one day. I mean, that's our morning, right? You could be in a perfectly good mood, listen to a great program on NPR, and next thing you know, something happens up ahead. And you're like, oh man, why on a Monday? My Sydney traffic. Well, that's life. Our practice is about coming back over and over to our life, not embellishing it, because more often than not, we want to put a bumper on our bumper, so to speak. Right? And that's exactly what that's exactly what brings so many people to practice is we want to add something to ourselves fortify, come up with some sort of emotional armor. But it's about stripping away all of those things and coming back bare and vulnerable to those very things that brought us to practice in the first place. So the good news is the bad news. And the bad news is the good news. That was Andre Tesan Hallow. Thank you for joining Original Mind Zen Sangha.